This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Dr- oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> You're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go to you. So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Anna's Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anna's Cantor. And you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Down to Dunk Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht, and with me, John Ham. John Ham, how are you? I am well. How are things on your side of the planet? Oh, they are so good up here in Piedmont, America. <laughs> um, so last night, the Thunder played the Jazz. The Jazz are a really, really good NBA team, one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, they're coming into the Chesapeake Arena, and this is one of the games that and we've talked about like their their schedule going forward. It's one that I marked off as a loss. Uh, but last night they were hitting threes like crazy in the first half. Luke and Taylor had a bet going. Even before they started making it, Taylor just made a joke like, oh, uh, you know, I'll bet you 100 bucks the Thunder don't miss a three in this game. And it was just like a joke. <laughs> and then it just kept happening, uh, which was hilarious. But uh they they hit just cr- a crazy amount of threes in the first half even Andre Robertson got in on it uh and then as the game went along it slipped away a little bit and Russell Westbrook was mostly the reason that it did because he took a lot of yeah. contested shots he was kind of bad rest and I was kind of preparing for today's podcast to be like talking about bad rest uh Joe Johnson hit that ISO Joe shot to put him up four with like 45 seconds left. And then Russ decided to score six points on two possessions with the step back three. (laughs) And then that crazy rebound with the drive on George Hill on the fast break. And then they won the game insane. And then also Andre Robertson deserves a lot of credit for what he did on Hayward. Uh, The game should have been over whenever Hayward went up and down with it, but they didn't catch it because it was, I mean, it was a pretty split second deal, but he touched the ground before he, he passed the ball to George Hill. Um, but anyways, incredible game. What are your what are your thoughts on last night? So I'm sitting up in the media area with uh, Eric G and Carson Cunningham and Brian Keating. And I think it was when they went seven for seven from three that yeah. it was kind of like, oh, wow. Get, 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 can you believe this? And then we're just laughing at the absurdity as the next five consecutive shots go in to rank it up to 12, 12. It, it was so much fun. Just, you know, uh, almost like you're watching a dunk contest and you can't believe someone did a, you know, backflip 360 between the legs, something, you know, just yep. like <laughs> this is the worst shooting team by percentage in the right. NBA and they're, and they're raining threes. Um, you know, but the thing that I, we got to halftime and the Thunder, of course, were shooting the lights out, but they were only up by eight yeah. at halftime. And that was, <laughs> no, that was a little scary. concerning. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, credit to Utah, because like you say, they are a really good team like you. I didn't have high expectations. They were going to win the game to begin with. But normally when you shoot like that in the first half, you go in at halftime up 25 Right. And they were only up by eight. So <laughs> when you don't miss uh, your threes, you're usually destroying a team. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, then in the fourth quarter, you know, when Rush checked back in, I think what, what was he? One of eight. 
until right towards the very end. Um, had some bad turnovers, and that's when I, you know, I, I started looking up like, okay, how many fourth quarter leads have the Thunder blown this year? They've blown two. <laughs> that was the stat I was getting ready to throw out there because yeah, last crazy. year it was they blew fourteen, you know, fourth quarter leads, and this year two. One of them was at home against Orlando. The other one on the road at Charlotte. That's, That's insane. it. That's insane. And that leads going into the fourth quarter. It's crazy. And that, I think that one of the turnovers you're talking about, that turnover where he just basically just misdribbled it out of bounds. You're like, oh, my yes. gosh. Like, what is – what is – come on, Russell. Uh, and he <laughs> – I just couldn't. I just could not believe he he did what he did. Because when Joe Johnson hit that shot, I was like, "All right, that's it." Mm-hmm. You know, good good try, Thunder. Um, you know, your shooting wasn't sustainable, and it came back to bite you. Right. But, um, and and that was one you couldn't be mad about coming right. out. Yeah. Utah's, if you Utah's lose a top to, team, they're good. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, there was some silly stuff there towards the end. But, you know, if you come out of that, even after blowing like a 13 point lead, you can't be too terribly upset about that. Um, and I mean, just I, I don't know what it is about this Thunder team this year and and their clutch time play. It is just it is such night and day difference. And, you know, Fred Katz talked about a lot of this. Obviously, some of it is small sample size. You know, th- that is. That is part of it, um, and I think you have to take that in consideration to an extent. But this has been a season-long thing with this team, right? Where they have performed very well in clutch situations. So um, it's uh, something else. I'll tell you what it is. It's Russell Westbrook. Here's some Russell Westbrook clutch stats: uh, last five minutes of the game within five points or less. So he's only 18th in clutch minutes. Uh, a lot of people think like, oh, he's doing so well. He's you know getting all these totals in the clutch because he's playing the most clutch minutes. He's only 18th in the league, which is still a lot, but not uh, the most. So he's first in points in the clutch. He's also first in attempts and first in field goals made, which makes sense. Uh, he's second in three-pointers made in the clutch. He's third in free throws made. <clears throat> Excuse me. Fourth in free throw attempts. He's fifth in total rebounds. In the clutch, tied with Rudy <laughs> Gobert, who might be an alien. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fourth in assists in the clutch, so it's not only him, you know, shooting. He's also fourth in assists, which is something people don't really notice or talk about. He's third in turnovers, which makes sense because he's got the ball all the time. He's second in steals, and he is the number one player. Uh, with he's the number one plus minus player in the clutch at plus 91 91 John and the closest player to him is Victor Oladipo at a plus 76 so he's not only the number one he's like number one far and away in the clutch best player this is a part of his MVP candidacy right now like he is the player to go to when the game is on the line and he's the guy who has continually delivered for the Thunder. The Thunder are 10 games above 500. This Thunder team is 10 games above 500. That's a big deal, and it's all because of Russell Westbrook. This team should be a 500-ball club. Right. I mean, when you look at their margin of victory, and if you go look at basketball reference and their Pythagorean wins, this should be a 500-ball club. Um, but, yeah, it's... It, you know, that obviously I doesn't factor, you know, how great Russell Westbrook is or, you know, how good the coaching coaching staff is and a few other things. But um, 
a, a few weeks ago, I wrote for Bleacher Report, and thank both of you for reading that. I wrote about <laughs> some of the clutch time stuff, and oh, you know, my basic, stuff. yeah, in my basic premise, which which by the way, you know, could use some updating even since then. Mm-hmm. Um, look, Harden and Westbrook are both worthy candidates, extremely worthy MVP candidates, and unfortunately, you know, people in order to make their case for one have to trash the other. Right, <laughs> and I'm I'm telling you, like the the margin between the two is so thin, and that's when I you know wrote about the clutch stats. Like, okay, if you were going to try to separate these two, here's one area you can look at because you rattled off everything about Russ. The other thing, and now I mean, since I wrote that article, <clears throat> his field goal percentage in the clutch is over forty five percent. So <laughs> it's, it's actually gone; it goes up over his per game average. And if you look at James Harden, he's had, you know, uh, how many minutes? He's had 97 clutch minutes. Again, a little bit of small sample size. But in clutch situations, he's shooting under 34%, 20% from three. You know, and just just look at that and contrast it to what Russ does in clutch situations. Harden's team is going to win 55 to 60 games, and that's going to be an awfully big feather in his cap. Yeah. Uh, but when you... There's a number of things you look at with Russ, clutch situations, the triple-double, how the team has endured post-Durant. There's a number of things that just start lining up to where it's it's very difficult to ignore him as the leader. Yeah, and Harden's been great. And just to speak to Russell's plus 91, James Harden's a minus 16 Yeah, in the same stat. And this is not me saying, oh, James Harden sucks. He shouldn't be. Right. I know. No, this is like just me saying like, there's a massive case for Russell Westbrook, and it's not. And the easy stat for Harden are his raw stats and the wins, and those both those matter tremendously. But if yes. you're going to look at Russell Westbrook, you have to look at his teammates that he's had this season, and then look at the production. Like, what has he done with the team that he's had? Well, he's done, you know, maybe more than he's definitely done more with less than any player in the league, and probably for a number of years. So. I didn't think that he would win it. I don't think he, I didn't even think he deserved it that much. Uh, you know, several a couple months ago, but today I just feel like it's almost undeniable with what he's done with this team, uh, his usage, the fact that he's been this good in the clutch, and the fact that this team they could win fifty. They could win fifty games. And right now he has thirty triple doubles. Thirty. Last night he had yeah. forty three, eleven, and ten. And he has 30 triple doubles. He's on pace for that 41 mark, and he could possibly beat it. Uh, it's it's absolutely tremendous. And if he does average a triple double and the Thunder get 50, it will be a travesty if he doesn't win the MVP. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny, too, is when I wrote that article, I had all these you know Rockets fans coming and telling me that clutch situations is not what I said it was. Clutch situations are game-winning shots, of which Russell Westbrook was like 0 of 6 or something like that. Like, okay, I'll pass that along to NBA.com and the rest of the community to update the definition for you. Oh, man. Everybody's – So, yeah. You know what? Crazy. No matter what you say, John, you're always wrong. I know it. I, I've gotten used to that by now. I, yeah, that's that's just the reality. But yeah, I you know here I, I am looking at you know Oladipo's clutch stats you know as well. Obviously he's he's playing with Russ quite a bit in those situations. Mm-hmm. He's hitting fifty percent from three. It's seven of fourteen in clutch situations. You know, and that that is Russ. That is Russ setting him up, getting all the attention, and setting him up for shots. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Stephen Adams is honestly Stephen Adams is not shooting well in the clutch. That's interesting, thirty five percent. But uh, yeah, uh, oh yeah, Andre Robertson sixty percent. He is six of ten in clutch situations. And he's fifty percent from three during that time. Is it only like on two shots or something? Probably from three, two of four. Yeah, two of. Four. Oh, hey, hey, that's that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Which, right. by the way, Andre Robertson has also hit his last six consecutive three point shots. I mean, he's Danny Green, right? <laughs> he's, he has turned into Danny Green before our very eyes. He's our Danny Green. Um, You're getting way too excited about everything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, obviously, neither of us think Robertson will sustain this, but it has been very exciting to watch. Well, we saw it last year during the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, he had some very strong games against the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. It was nice you know, for, for a Thunder player on the perimeter to have strong games like that. Yeah. So. And he's such a mental, like he, he's everything is in his head. Like he's such a, he's a crazy athlete, great defender, but his offense is in his head. And when he's in a good headspace, I feel like he is much better. He's more confident. Yeah, he's making quicker decisions. And I think maybe getting past the trade deadline was a big thing for him because when I mean, you just look at the writing on the wall, he's a restricted free agent. They couldn't come, they couldn't agree to a number for his extension. And Sam Presti historically doesn't like to keep those guys. And so I'm yeah. sure he saw the writing on the wall. I'm sure his agent did as well. And he was in those trade talks. Chicago pressed for him and for some reason still did the deal without him. Uh, it's, I, I think some of that has to be true for him, right? You think that it's, you think that it's a confidence thing with that? Oh, I definitely think so. Yeah, I mean, you just... And that's where you can see how he's being used differently to get him some easier shots at the basket, like early in games, rather than park him in the corner. Because, you know, if he misses and usually badly misses his first shot or two, you know, just basically, I I don't know, it it doesn't, I don't think kills his defense, but I think it just, I think it definitely has an impact on him. So, Um, oh, and by the way, a bit of, of breaking news here. Um, on the podcast, um, I guess Russell Westbrook has made it official that uh, his wife is pregnant. So <gasps> yes, a little posted bit on of Instagram. Westbrook. Yeah, um, he, he he posts a picture of him kissing the pregnant belly of his wife uh, with five slash twenty seventeen and the prayer hands emoji. So wow. good for Russ. Hot hand player of the week, Russell's baby. <laughs> sponsored by anchor down anchor down better than kyle singler that's right tell me if tell me if this sounds delicious john ham they're pizza tots you have tater tots tomato gravy ghost pepper swiss cheese sauce and melted swiss cheese on these delicious tater tots not only does it sound delicious i can verify it is delicious <laughs> you can get those at anchor down not just a corn dog place although they have delicious corn dogs you can also get pizza tots you can wash it down with a really good beer they have a great beer selection uh and also as always get yourself a salad if you bring your wife along she might just want a salad great salads they're delicious i'll eat one too so go check out the pizza tots at anchor down they are so delicious and uh, it's a great place to watch a Thunder game, great place to go. Today is beautiful outside. So if you work downtown, go get on the patio. Uh, you can watch the Thunder games uh, at night. They'll put it on a big screen outside. If it's nice outside, you can watch it inside. Go check out Anchor Down. 
uh, for their corn dogs, and not only their corn dogs, but for their pizza tots. Uh, they also have a cheeseburger. So they also have they just have a ton of great food. So go check out Anchor Down. John, let's let's go to some TQs. Let's do it. From at Austin S ten twenty seven, he asks, "Will Abrinas make an all rookie team?" I think yes. What do you think? I think I, I think that's definitely in play, and it's, some of that is because this rookie class is pretty bad. It's been bad. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's not a knock on Abrinas because he's obviously playing much better lately. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's definitely in play for he and Sabonis both. Yep. Yeah. If he closes the the season like he's been playing. I don't know that they'll have a choice. Like he should be, yeah. he should be on one of those teams. He's been, he's been lights out. Uh, next question from Vikal Madrock. Thoughts on OKC versus Golden State in the second round of the playoffs. So I guess this kind of opens up a couple discussions. One, can the Thunder get up to the four or five seed? Because I, I expect Golden State to keep the one seed, even though. They'll be missing Durant for a little bit. Um, and then what do you think OKC's chances are in the second round? I mean, obviously the what people are thinking is that Durant should be back by the first round, maybe get his legs under him a little bit, and then be able to play the second round. I'm still really not in favor of it. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, uh, the, the initial reports when I went to bed last night – uh, they thought that it might be you know several months, mm-hmm. and then apparently I, maybe that was. I think I read where Bob Meyer said that might have been based on a CT scan, and then they got an MRI, and that revealed something different, or maybe I've got those two mixed up. Um, so yeah, there was a moment that I thought, okay, you know, maybe getting up to four or five makes some sense now. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe getting them in a round two makes uh, makes some sense, but. Um, I still think the best play for this team is I feel like maybe the six seed. Yeah. I think if you think if you can get to six, this team can compete with Houston. Mm-hmm. This team could compete with the round two opponent, which is probably going to be San Antonio um, or even flip flop those. I mean, even if even if they were the seventh seed, they're going to play San Antonio in round one and then potentially the Rockets in round two. Um not saying that you know. Obviously, they're they're going back to the Western Conference Finals. I I just think that I think you can talk about it realistically without sounding like a lunatic right. when you when you start analyzing that. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, the Thunder have competed really well against Houston, and now they have added two more competent NBA players. And you could say three. Like I don't really know what Norris Cole is going to look like. He was okay mm-hmm. for the Pelicans, and he's been in China, which usually isn't a great sign for a player. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that he'll be fine. But I, I just think adding Doug McDermott, adding Todd Gibson, will really make the matchup against Houston even a little bit more even. I still think the Rockets are better and that they're favored because I think they have a they put together a roster that they've been forming over several years and know exactly what they want to do. And the Thunder are just in the beginning stages of that. Uh, so I think it's yeah. kind of hard to judge. But with the way Russell's been playing and the way that he's been playing in the clutch and the way that guys have been playing around him lately, I, I think that it's closer to a toss-up than people would even want to say. And also, as far as the Cole signing goes, um, shout out to our friend Brett Dawson here. I talked with him a little bit yesterday, and you know, he was talking about just it, it would not be fair to like scrutinize Cole in New Orleans last season because it was just such a mess. Sure, um, guys that had checked out already, so many injuries, um, 
I, I, I think you'll probably Cole wasn't really excited about being there. And then, you know, it, it would be, it would be unfair to like scrutinize that and say, well, that's, you know, kind of the player Oklahoma city is going to get. Yeah. Um, I think different situation here. Um, I, he, he's, I think he's going to help. I think it's going to help having him on the team, not having to rely on Samaj Kristen as much, if at all. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. Again, just just adding, as Fred Katz mentioned in his podcast this morning, a competent ninth or tenth guy. Yeah. So, and they needed that desperately from the point guard position because if they're yeah. not going to play Victor Oladipo as a point guard, then you're. I mean, you just can't you can't play D league guys in the playoffs, and that's what that's what yeah. Samaj is right now. And he may end up being better than that down the road, uh, but right now he's a, he's a D league point guard. He cannot run an offense to save his life. Uh, it. They they needed an upgrade and they they got it in Norris Cole, which is good. Yeah. So you mentioned that, and you know, I've also said, you know, I saw the other day Kevin Pelton, Nate Duncan talking about how you know Demontis Sabonis shouldn't even be playing right now. And you know, you know, my comment was this team is willing to pay that development cost right now. Yep. Exactly. Uh, now when we get to the playoffs, it's possible Sabonis gets pulled from the lineup. Sure. I mean, if, if if it gets down to it, but you know, through the rest of the season, they've given Samaj, you know, plenty of time. Uh, Sabonis has obviously gotten plenty of time, and and that's a cost they've been willing to pay, and it's going to pay off down the road. Yeah, for sure. I I mean, I expect him to continue to play. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people think that he is going to be moved to the bench. I think just starting him and playing him eight minutes with the starters you know even if it's that eight minutes total i think that that's that's probably good for him then it also allows you to start your second unit off with more of a gibson and Cantor lineup because I'm, I'm not a huge fan of you know Cantor and sabonis playing together i think offensively it could yeah. work but defensively it could be a little bit of a mess uh so I, I think that it helps the rotations a little bit in that way uh, but but you're right. When you get into the playoffs, you play three bigs basically, uh, along mm-hmm. with Jeremy Grant, and that's 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 your probably your best four bigs right there. Uh, I think yeah. Grant right now is a little bit better than what Sabonis is today. And you know the past couple of games, Sabonis has played I think eight and eleven minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean that's you, you put him out there to start the game and start the third quarter, and if it's just not working, you just you you pull him. And, and and if it is working like against the Lakers, um, you know, where you played 20 some odd minutes in that game, you know, then you've got the luxury of continuing to play him on. Um, so, yeah, I, I initially thought Todd was going to come in, be the starting power forward immediately. And they were going to go that route. I've backed off of that after thinking about it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's some favorable matchups for Sabonis coming up. Portland, Phoenix, Dallas, Portland are the next four games. So those might be games that you see more of Sabonis where they say, you know what, we can stand to develop him in these games and still probably win. So let's play him, you know, 15 to 20 minutes against Phoenix or Dallas or Mm -hmm. whoever it is and, you know, give him a chance to do that. But then when they play, like they play San Antonio on the ninth and then Utah again, like those games are probably six to eight minute games, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, he's he's done a lot of developing this season, and you know that's that's it's going to be going to have to be good enough. And like you said in the playoffs, it'll be a different story. Yeah. All right. From at Ben Vance, 
Does Abrinus's emergence mean that Oladipo might be moved sometime this summer? Might OKC try to move up in the draft? Um, I mean, I guess it's possible. Um, I still don't know if you know they necessarily want to you know, turn that completely over to Abrinus at this point. There's really not a big rush, uh, but certainly if there's if there's a deal out there that makes sense that that includes Oladipo to upgrade another position, yeah, you know, that could happen. But I don't think it would necessarily be because of Abrinus's development. Yeah, and last night the Thunder needed Oladipo down the stretch when Rodney Hood helped. was killing Abrinus. I was like, man, mm-hmm. that's exactly where you need Victor Oladipo because they tried mm-hmm. McDermott. That didn't work out so well. They tried to bring us. He fouled, fouled him on a three. Really <laughs> yeah. kind of helped Utah back into the game. Uh, they were attacking him. They were targeting Abrinas. And I like him a lot. I think that his shooting is very valuable. His movement, uh, the way he passes and moves the ball, uh, he's very, very helpful to this team. But right now, he is so skinny. And he can't really defend you know, hardly anyone. And it's really not because he's not doing the right things. It's just because physically he's not at an NBA level yet. Um, yeah. And so whenever he whenever he gets there, then yes, I, I think that it does maybe make some sense to move on from Oladipo. But uh, let's give him some time to develop. And you know, Victor is is a good probably a good mentor for him, uh, and also a guy who will contribute a lot to this team. And that's something that's gone under the radar, maybe even a little bit. Uh, the, the Thunder have won four games in a row right now, and you know Victor hasn't been there the last three games, and the Thunder really haven't. Doesn't seem like they've missed him a whole lot. So whenever you can add a player who is thought to be the third best player on the team, uh, this team's ceiling gets a little bit higher, and it's higher than I thought it was. And, may, and maybe some of this is a mirage because the three point shooting is was just crazy last night. Um, <laughs> but I do think adding Vic is going to help a lot. Yeah, no doubt. So, in other words, I don't think Abrinas is going to be ready for 34 to 36 minutes per game next season. No. Um, he he may eventually, and it may be year three, year four, but I, I wouldn't think next year at this point. Yeah, agreed. Uh, at Caleb underscore Jones underscore, what's your new ceiling for this Thunder team post-trade? You know, I I think before the season, I picked them for 47 wins. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're they going to come in right around there, maybe even a little bit higher. Um, I, I thought it would be great if they win a first-round series. I think that's still the case. I mean, to me, I think winning a first-round series exceeds expectations. For sure, yes. So I, I still I, I believe that beginning of the season, I still believe that now. Yeah, I, I think that this... It doesn't necessarily raise their ceiling all that much, but it does allow them to play like they want to more because you add a new mm-hmm. shooter. And you add a you add a guy like Todd Gibson, who can not only fill in minutes, but he's going to be able to teach Sabonis some over these next couple months. Um, I don't know if they keep Gibson or not, but, man, Gibson, Todd Gibson is a, a lot faster and a lot quicker than I thought. Uh, he can guard wings. I mean, and not mm-hmm. just like a big guarding a wing where he can do it in spots. Like, he can guard wings. He can guard bigger wings. Like, he can guard, you know, uh, Wilson Chandler and Gallinari when they play Denver again. Like, he'll guard those guys. Uh, he yeah. can guard, and he has done this for years um, because the Bulls always run into the Cavs or the Heat. Uh, they always, 
he always guards LeBron when he when he was playing for the Bulls. So he's a guy that's a lot quicker on the perimeter than I realized. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that definitely helps the Thunder, and it's going to help in a series against uh, the Rockets because you have a guy like Ryan Anderson who's out on the perimeter, and a lot of times that kills guys like Sabonis and whoever else is going to be guarding him. But if you have Todd Gibson, it's not as big of a problem. So I think that helps. Uh, Doug McDermott, like he really showed what he can do last night. His shooting, he was just on fire last night. He had those four threes, and he had that drive where he hit that like little nifty in the air. Um, I don't even know what you call that, just a layup shot. I don't know. It was a weird yeah, the, shot yeah, around the rim. Bank. Uh, yeah. that, that banker. He was... I mean, he's he's an offensively skilled guy. The bench really needed somebody that can come in and score, and he can do that. And I don't I don't know what his potential looks like going forward. I really like him. I think that he can play. I think he's a smart player and knows where to be and runs off screens. And he, like Royce Young talked about on Monday, he taught he holds his defender. His defender's not going to leave him. So, mm-hmm. and that's valuable in itself. I also think that. Uh, Doug McDermott is probably the shortest six eight guy I've ever seen. Like he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't look six eight out there on the court for whatever reason. Uh, that's what his measurables are. But he he's kind of got short arms, and um, I just think every time I look at him, I'm like, is he really six eight? Like I can't I can't <laughs> tell. Um, but he's good. The biggest uh, the the biggest revelation for me uh, when they run lineups with McDermott and Abrinas, I didn't realize. So on the basketball court, you know, there, there's the paint, you know, the, the, the free throw line. Mm-hmm. That's actually blue in color. <laughs> I never realized that until Brenus and McDermott are on the floor. Like, oh, wow. Because, you know, used to be there was 15 human beings piled in the paint. Right. Now, like, there's space to operate. And like, oh, it's it's blue. I, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's a big deal. Like, the spacing thing is a huge deal. And you're right. Sure is. This sure team is. found out how to clog the lane and still like figured out ways to score. And it was always so ugly, especially when yeah. Russ is out of the game, where you had you know the Jeremy Grant like drive without even thinking about what you're doing, and, and then just like crashing and, and throwing. <laughs> I mean, it was bad, and it would just die yeah. unless Cantor was out there. Uh, nothing was really happening. And now that you have two guys that can come out and space the floor, I assume that they'll both be coming off the bench. I don't think that Victor Oladipo is going to lose his starting spot. And, uh, yeah, I don't think Donovan so. has already kind of indicated as such. So it'll be and it'll be interesting. I was thinking back to last year. You remember whenever you know Donovan started um, alternating Westbrook and Durant. Staggering is the word I can't think of. Um, where Durant went to the bench like at the, what, six-minute mark? Or was mm-hmm. it four-minute mark? I think it was it took a couple minutes. of minutes. Yeah, it took a couple-minute break and then came back in and was essentially the backup point guard while Russ went to the bench. I feel like they can kind of apply that to Oladipo and Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they're going to use Norris Cole now and probably you know Oladipo's not going to be the backup point guard, but... Um, in other, I, I think Donovan's going to have to find a way to get some more minutes with Abrinas and Westbrook together. And, I mean, that would be ideal for, I don't know, the other 14 players on the roster. But, you know, maybe more so. We're seeing a lot of benefit. Um, and then Alex is just – it's just the, the confidence thing. Mm-hmm. He's getting the ball and no hesitation. It's going up. 
And maybe that's from, you know, watching so many games of Andre Robertson pause and think, <laughs> okay, now if I raise and what if, hang on, let me sketch this out. It, no, it's like Abrinas gets the ball and it's going up and it's yeah. usually going in. <laughs> First possession of the game last night, just right to him. Yeah. Bang. Yeah. It's really, it's so, really fun to watch a shooting guard that can shoot. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Um, next question from at the real Ryan VK. A better combined player. So we're talking about merging humans here. Um, okay. Adams and Cantor is the first one, or Robertson and Abrinas. Ooh. I'm tempted to say Robertson Abrinas. Yeah. If you go so Adams and Cantor is it would basically be like if DeMarcus Cousins wasn't a huge idiot, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> With some defensive ability. Yeah. Um, He's in shape, and, like an in shape, not an idiot Cousins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but man, I mean, just in today's league, if if you had that pre you know that elite defensive wing player that could also hit 44 percent from three um and shoot with confidence that would be that'd be worth so much money in in today's league that's a a max player yeah that's paul george (laughs) yeah i mean i'm I'm, happier paul george yeah yes i'm taking uh robertson and brinas too because i think that adams is just already a good offensive player and Cantor, right. he's not a good defensive player, but he's he's fine in spots. Robertson is a horrible offensive player, and Abrinas right now is a horrible defensive player. And so when you combine the two, you're just you know giving them a boost in what they're really bad at. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'll take some of that. I'll take B. Uh, let's see. Uh, should Abrinas start? Uh, sh- what do you think? This is from Tyler Beats one. Should Abrinas start? We already think that he won't, but do you think that he should? I can see the benefit of it. I mean, you know, you and I have talked some about potential lineup changes, and you know, the, the other thing too, this not just this coaching staff, but this organization is uh, not one to rush into starting lineup changes. So I, I I don't know if they're going to make any changes this season. Um, but I do kind of see the appeal, like we talked about, with having Oladipo coming in, you know, being part of the second unit. But but then, too, I, I keep thinking of Ennis Cantor being the focal point of the second unit and now having both Abrinas and McDermott to pass out to. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... We've reached the point where we actually have good problems with the rotations, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. And, you know, I, I talked about this on the post game last night because I think everyone gets wrapped up, and this is kind of built in from high school. You know, the best players are the starters. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the mentality this organization takes. Um, they are much more concerned about, you know, uh, what, what do they say, maximizing, uh, you know, the players. Um, they, they don't necessarily buy the, okay, the five best guys start. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so I think I think they're going to leave well enough alone for right now. They may revisit that in the off season and see if something else makes sense. But um, now, should he do it? I, I could see the value in it. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't pitch a fit if they did make that change suddenly. Yeah, I think they should. 
I think that he has really helped at the start of games. I, I think that you're right that he's just he's ready to shoot once he grabs the ball or once he is past mm-hmm. the ball. I like that about him, and I, I want to see Victor Oladipo do more. I don't want him to be a 3 and D player because he's more than that. Um, yeah. 3 and D guys are really important in this league, but Victor Oladipo wasn't brought onto this team to be a 3 and D guy only. I think that he can be better than that, and it might take just – you know, giving him the ball at the second unit, say, "All right, Russ isn't playing. You go. Like this is your this is your time." Uh, Do what Russ did. Yeah. Just <laughs> did you see that? Did you see what just happened? <laughs> Emulate Victor. that. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I don't think it. Like we said, I don't think it's going to happen. But I really like the idea of it. Uh, let's see what else. We have a lot of questions. Thank you for asking questions. We we really appreciate it. Um, we're not going to be able to get to everybody today. This is also from Tyler Beats. One is Thunder is Dougie McThunderbuckets the worst nickname in the NBA? Yes. Yeah. Really yeah. Um, I, I don't think we, I. I don't even need to know what the other nicknames are. Yeah. No. Like that's that shouldn't that isn't a nickname <laughs> and it shouldn't be. So don't let's let's fight against this people. Yes. Um, from at Fat Stetson. Where do you rank the game-closing defensive lineup of Westbrook, Robertson, Grant, Gibson, and Adams in Thunder history? In terms, I, I'm assuming he's asking about comparing to other defensive lineups. Compared to, yeah, any other, any Thunder defensive lineup ever. Because, I mean, you, you think back, I mean, obviously you're talking about, you know, pre-knee injury Serge Ibaka. Right. Those closing lineups would be him prime and Tabo. Prime Tabo, and then Russ and KD, who both obviously there was some you know they they left a lot to desire on the defensive end mm-hmm. back then. Uh, usually, Perk if it was like a defensive situation, um, or it could be Collin. Yeah, that first year of Perk where he was still pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's got to be number one. Uh, Last season, even when you had Russ, Dion, Robertson, uh, KD, and Ibaka, like that was it's pretty solid. Yeah, killer defensive lineup that could switch now, everything. You could, but having said that, is as we, we just talked about clutch stats earlier, the Thunder's defensive clutch stats last season were atrocious. That's true. So that's, that's true. something to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I think that it's top, probably top five because I do think that Adams and Gibson and Robertson are all elite at their position. Uh, Jeremy Grant's probably an overrated defender just because I think that he's that crazy athlete that looks like he should be a really, really good defender. I think he's, I yeah. think he's okay. I don't think that he's great yet. He's still 22. He's developing. I think he'll get better. Uh, but I wouldn't say that he's a great defender. And then Westbrook can be a great defender. We've seen that in the playoffs. Um, yeah. So I think it's up there. I think that that's it's a really athletic lineup, and you know, with both Grant and Gibson's abilities to switch, and Adams. I mean, that's a that's a very switchy lineup. They can defend big. Yep. They can fit, defend small. I like it. I think it's probably top five, maybe even the third best. Yeah, um, but it's and good. Russell Westbrook too. I mean, I don't think I've had one post game show where I've gone on and, and mentioned that it looked like Russ was slacking on defense sure, or that Russ had some major defensive breakdown that, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to make an all defensive team, but 
I, I, I think he's made a lot of strides on that end, not to be um, as vacant as, as I think he you know, was at times in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, last question from LilBit77. Will there be any way that the Thunder can keep Todd Gibson? Oh, there's a yeah, there are ways. Um, so I, I think about this multiple ways. I, one of the reasons that I think that they were willing to trade Joffrey Laverne is concerned about what he was going to earn in free agency this summer. And so, I mean, if if Laverne, if they were concerned about him making potentially eight to nine million dollars a year, Todd is going to make probably more than that. On the other hand, Todd is a better player than Joffrey Laverne. So that's, you know, that's the kind of talent you, you want to pay up for. Um, I don't get the sense that the luxury tax is, is, is a big issue next season. Meaning that if they have a team they really like, you know, and, and it's going to cost money to bring back Gibson and Robertson, I, I think they're willing to do it. Now, yeah. if a team out there wants to give Todd Gibson a four-year deal, my 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 guess is that OKC may have to tap out. I don't think they're willing to go four years. They might be willing to go three years, uh, you know, as part of the negotiation. Um, I don't. I, I would. I still think it's kind of kind of low on the chances that he comes back. But you know, as Kevin Garnett said, anything is possible. <laughs> I wonder if they'll just go full Blazers this summer, or where they just bring everybody back. And then you just kind of see what happens. And then you have more trade chips. Uh, let's, let's say a guy like Paul George does come on the market, which a lot of people are talking about. Same with Jimmy Butler. Then you have guys uh, that can replace like an Ennis Cantor or whoever it is with like a Todd Gibson. Or if maybe the Pacers would want Todd Gibson. I don't know why you would if you're a rebuilding team, but maybe they would. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I just think maybe, I think that's a strategy. I don't know that the Thunder would do it because I don't know what the ownership is willing to do. And that really is what it all comes down to. Is the ownership willing to fork over the money for a team that might be the fifth seed, right? Um, but it could, you know, it could be part of the plan, bring everybody back, and then let's see what's on the trade market. And that that could help because whenever you just let a Gibson go or you let a Robertson go, that's value that you're letting go uh, for your roster. Um, so it's hard to say whether they'll, t- they'll keep Todd Gibson. You're right. It's going to, it's going to be his choice ultimately. And he seems to really like it so far. He said a lot of really nice things about the team and the coaching staff and everything so far. So he may be willing to come back, but are the thunder, are the thunder willing to be a tax team? And that's really mm-hmm. all up to Clay Bennett and his ownership group. Yeah, and again, I, I get the sense that that is that's not that big of a deal. Um, so, and, and the other thing too, I, I know we're looking at Oklahoma City as could they be a four or five next season? Um, they could potentially be better. I mean, yeah, you know, we we saw the Rockets kind of make that leap, like you know, last season. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen in Utah or with the Clippers sure. and their situations this summer. Um, and yeah, it could very well be that these additions, given some time, make this team really formidable. So, um, yeah, I, I know it's hard right now to look ahead to next season and saying, well, how could they possibly be better than Golden State, the Spurs, or Rockets? They could. I mean, we, no one thought the Rockets were going to be this good this season. Um, I think a lot of people expected the Spurs to maybe take a step back, and they're never, ever going to. Um, so. <laughs> well, the Spurs have free agents this summer, too, and they may end up like getting like a George Hill back or like signing a Chris Paul or whatever. Um, 
I don't know that either of those are expected right now, but those things could happen. Um, yeah. So yeah. who knows? And and you're right. They could go ahead and spend. I mean, the luxury tax is not determined until the last. You know, the the amount you're going to pay is not determined until the last day of the regular season. So, right. Um, if you if you spend, you can you can trade out of it. You can you can swap more pieces. And so anyway, um, I, I I know a lot of times I, I even have a bad habit of of thinking to near term when it comes to luxury tax decisions when there's plenty of time to you know work that out down the road yeah, absolutely all right thanks for coming on the podcast today john will follow you on twitter at john m ham you can follow us at dtd podcast you can listen to john on the radio he's on 107.7 the franchise he's also at bleacher report so check him out there and thanks for listening